0: Welcome to another episode of the Evolution of Business show. I'm your host, Dave Clare. And on today's episode, we have the guy with the coolest name on the planet, Santo Arabia. Now, if that's not the coolest name, I have no idea what is. Now, Santo has a strong sense of purpose. He's passionate about helping small businesses think big. He's a mentor. He's a race car driver. He's a volunteer. He's an ambassador. And he is spreading the word that there's a better way to live. So sit back, relax, get out your pen and paper and get ready to take copious notes as we listen to Santo Arabia. Welcome to the Evolution of Business podcast. Business is a series of evolutions. This podcast explores how to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of the people you choose to serve. It will look for the lessons and the failures of the past and share the success of those getting it right today. What is the next evolution of your business? Now, here's your host, Dave Clare. Welcome back to the Evolution of Business Show. I'm your host, Dave Clare, and this is Take Two with Santo Arabia. Santo and I uh, attempted to record this podcast last week, but we ran into some technical difficulties. But he has gladly given his time and come back again to jump on the podcast with us. Now, Santo is a mentor at MentorCo, and he has a passion for helping small businesses think big. He's the father of three children and him and his lovely wife live in Adelaide, South Australia. He's also the director of Converted, a business that helps you generate more leads and sales and customers using digital advertising, which is pretty, pretty important in today's world. So we're, I'm sure we're going to dive into some of that. Uh, he's been granted amongst some of the biggest corporations in both Australia and the world. Santo has developed a taste for helping small businesses succeed by applying big business strategy. I just love that as a concept. Um, utilizing the resources allocated to him by some of Australia's largest employers, Santo has proven his disciplines work effectively by achieving the goals and objectives cascading down from his sea level colleagues. Now culture and strategy, two of my favorite things, are among some of the areas Santo delves deep into and provides a service that focuses on sort that focuses on mindset around these two facets, which is absolutely critical in business today. Now he's also the owner driver at Team Arabia, and he uses racing as a way to improve mind health. And I'm gonna be fascinated to unpack what that's all about. Um, as a volunteer for Little Heroes Foundation, uh, he's proudly supporting seriously ill children and their families to ensure that they have access to the very best care. He's an ambassador for Life Back Tracker, which is an early intervention tool to assist when confronted with anxiety, stress, and early signs of depression. And there's no wonder that Santo is spreading the word that there's a better way to live. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, uh, welcome Santo. Hey, welcome thanks. back. Should I say Santo? <laughs> uh,
1: thanks for the introduction, Dave. I really didn't know how to follow up with that, but yeah, yeah. thanks for the uh, part two. Uh, looking forward to uh, uh, today's. Um, Podcast uh, last week was actually really good. So, yeah,
0: I yeah, know we were doing some good stuff. Then all of a sudden, total internet failure. Uh, yeah. But hey, that's uh, you know it's quite interesting because part of the modern world is we now move more online and you know getting secure signals and things like that uh, from an internet point of view is is still one of the challenges. I, I think currently it's uh, commonly accepted as it as it can happen. But yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fascinating to see as we move forward how we uh, how technology uh, advances and improves. To yeah. make sure that this is part of the way we're going to live as a society. That we better make sure we have stable internet.
1: Yeah, uh, and the contingencies
0: as well, yeah, I guess. There's some backup. Mate, <laughs> uh, so uh, firstly, uh, thank you once again, mate, for coming back on and giving us some of your time. We, like, we've virtually got almost all the way through it, uh, <laughs> um, but we're going to do it again. But you've said there's been some cool stuff that's happened in the past week as well. So, so mate, what's going on in LA? What's happening in the world down there?
1: Uh, so, Adelaide's uh, going really well. Um, obviously, this um, pandemic is sort of a lot more quiet than it is in the eastern states. So, mm. we're trying to return back to normal. Uh, we've got a few issues, you know, and obstacles as far as, um, you know, reliance on the eastern states, for whether it's data or, or, or product or, you know, relying on their services. So we're trying to adapt to those types of issues but apart from that um it's it's relatively cold down here and um and businesses uh it's actually starting to pick up which is you know uh, quite interesting uh, our property markets slowly um uh, you know going past its plateau uh, state okay. uh, businesses are all starting to open up uh, we're getting a bit nervous because we're so close to the, uh, you know the Victorian border, but apart from that, we're um we're we're
0: doing well. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's great. Um, but so and you know, so W. A. is very similar. Obviously, we mm-hmm. you know we're we're allowed to, from a social distancing point of view. Things have shifted. I mean, this obviously yep. recorded during anyone's listening to this at any other time in the in the world. This is recorded back during the C nineteen pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, there's some wonderful leadership issues that are being demonstrated uh, in our state, mm-hmm. and I would imagine also in Adelaide and the. Uh, south australia as a state as well um and we'll we can probably talk a little bit about leadership uh, a little bit later in this but can you give the audience uh, the listeners uh give us the santo arabia story mate uh, last you know in the next 10 minutes just how there's so many cool things that you've done man like all this racing <laughs> and all this other bits and pieces uh like how yep. did all this come about mate? give us the uh santo laying on the couch went back when i was three
1: yeah, okay. I won't go that far back because <laughs> I don't remember what I did this morning. But uh I started um I guess my business journey uh in high school. Um I first I, I made my first income selling raffle tickets. Wow. Um, so I'd sell, you know, I'd book a book of forty for a dollar, prize was five dollars, you know, so every single book I sold I made thirty five dollars. So if I did, you know, did about ten of them a, a week, that was three hundred and fifty dollars a week. Uh and at that stage, you know, uh we're only earning whatever, five, six dollars an hour. So it was, it was actually a really cool um, way of, of, of making legit money because it wasn't, you know, back then you didn't have to be registered and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the first income producing uh, activity, um, you know, that I did. Um, but then I, I left school, um, uh, started working at Holden's for 10 years. Uh, which We've got the manufacturing facility. Well, we did have the manufacturing yeah, facility yeah, yeah. in Australia, yeah. Uh, but during that time, I was an afternoon shift um and I was you know uh investing at the age of eighteen, so I needed another job so I started an earth moving business uh, i don't don't know if I recall telling you this last week, but yeah, I, I bought a little bobcat and a tipper and you know did some earth, little block like, earth moving uh projects and then i I secured a couple of contracts for some telcos uh which was pretty cool uh and then I sold the business um Uh, to another company that did bigger earth-moving projects. Um, But at the same time, I also, uh, actually, sorry, prior to that, I had an IT company for two years and sold that as well. Wow. Uh, In 1999, because I just hated dealing with computers. Uh, So, yeah, by the time I was, you know, 25, um, I was, I had a couple of businesses. I was working full-time as well. Uh, The benefit of working at Holden's and afternoon shift is that I had, you know, all day shift to do what I needed to do. I left Holdens, um, took six months off, uh, then I joined the SAPO, uh, South Australian Police Department as a security um, supervisor for the security department. Uh, I was there for a couple of years, then I jumped into the engineering industry um, and was recruited as a engineering supervisor for a workshop uh, for um, government-based projects. Uh, left there, joined supply chain management um, for Coles, Woolworths, uh, and a defence company, um, and then I left and started working with my uh, wife, who's a mortgage broker. Uh, but in the meantime, I still had my little, you know, side hustles on the go, um, just more hobbies and everything else. And then I started Mentor Co. So MentorCo um, was a uh, development from when my father had a business and he had no support as a as a sole trader, mm. um, and as a result, you know, um, his future was uh, not as well. was pretty bleak uh, because he just didn't have the support. So I started mental co to just you know remind people and ensure that there's there's a lot of help out there. You don't have to be millionaires to ask for help or int- or implement um, systems that these big companies implement. You just need some guidance um, from you know people that have been there, done that. Um, learn from their mistakes as well. So my biggest thing at the moment is just to, you know, don't make mistakes yourself. Uh, learn from, I'm happy to sort of impart knowledge that I've learned over the last 25 years. Uh, and just, you know, help these small businesses skip mistakes that, you know, can be a detriment to their business once I've made them.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think it's, um, you know, fascinating when you look at yourself, well, like uh, the different industries, um, public sector, private sector, Uh, You know, you've different types of roles, you've owned businesses, you've worked in companies, Mm -hmm. Uh, that that whole vast collection of experience that you have um, in organizations from leading organizations, running your own organizations, being an employee, you know, construction, manufacturing, um, office IT, defense, so that plethora of experience would serve all those people so extremely well because you can, you can relate to business in so many different contexts and layers, which I think is really cool. And I remember when you and I first met in Adelaide, I thought it must've been at least three years ago now
2: Yeah,
0: would have been, and we we're having that coffee and we were just chatting about it and you were still sort of doing some work, uh, in, in, with your wife in the financial broking thing. And you were playing around with this idea of mentor co. Um, and, and can you just share with us a little bit, like in terms of that, uh, you know, when you define, because I remember we were, I challenged you on your your sense of purpose as to why this is and what it is you want to do, and and what you came up with. You know, that uh, was
1: inter- that was an interesting conversation because yeah. uh, that conversation was the catalyst to where I am now as far as mental go goes. So, yeah. massive thanks to yourself for um, uh, just asking the right questions. There was, there was probably. One bit of advice that I took on board, but apart from that, you just asked the right questions and and triggered things. And that just made me realize that, you know, I enjoyed working in my business, in my wife's business, not because I was writing finance, but I was was helping small businesses, you know, Mm. I was was actually helping them, you know, do really well. So, um, you know, I extracted what I enjoyed about uh, my wife's business and just turned it into something that I enjoy on a full time basis. So, I'm not from a finance background. I've I've know yeah. how to spend money, but as far as lending money goes, yeah. um, I, I sort of you know uh, tend just to. I've learned what the industry taught me, but apart from that, I don't have much other experience. Um, so yeah, that, that's how I started. Um, Mentor goes over the uh, you know the following two years is I put together what I wanted. What I wanted to do, I didn't want to help these massive corporations. I wanted to help these smaller businesses that, you know. All of them think that they need a million dollar budget to do these, you know, um, life changing um, uh, process implementations mm. and that type of stuff. Where well, you don't, um, you know, my biggest thing that I I learned uh, in the corporations that I worked in was all about leadership yeah. um, and how important leadership is. Um, and what I learned by owning my own businesses that I didn't have some of them I didn't have employees. Uh, that's how I learned about management. That's why I know the difference between management and leadership. Uh, management is needed, uh, but I think leadership uh, is more important um, because if you don't have a team that follow you, um, or you know, not even follow you really, just have the same aspirations and the vision and the goals as you do, then they're off in a different world. So, uh, and then that's when it comes to managing. If you if 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 you can share the vision with your team, uh, you actually have to less uh, manage less. Um, as opposed to managing, uh, you know, like a full-time, uh, the full-time job. Uh, my personal belief is, if you if you're a good leader, you don't even have to
0: manage people; you just have to manage your
1: processes, and the people will manage themselves. So, uh, but, that's
0: why I wanted to ask you: how do you dis- How do you discern between leadership and management? Um, so,
1: yeah, and that, it's it, it's an interesting question. A lot of people don't have the clarity. But as far as you know, from past experience, leadership to me is when you inspire people to do things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, not when you dictate, not when you tell them, uh, you know, you, you've got a project or you've got a service. Uh, they know what the project is. They know what the service is, but you inspire them to do their best. Uh, now that, that involves, you know, coaching, mentoring, and all that type of stuff as well. Where you can't just, you know, give them a book, read the book, and they turn into, uh, and, and they're inspired. You need to uh, lead by example. You need to make sure that there's a united front, um, I have two org, org charts, ones for you know management and ones for the whole team. And the line is flat. We're not. There's no one up here. There's no one down here. We're all on the same level. We just do different uh, do different things. And, and when when I introduce my my uh, talent to uh, colleagues or um, you know clients, I don't introduce I don't introduce them by saying these are guys that work um, work for me. I'll always introduce them as these are guys that work with me. Uh, and and then, then that's you know they're they're happy to hear all that type of stuff, but yeah, so that's the difference I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's, so. For me, as I listen, it is very similar. Like to me, I think you, you know you lead people and you manage resources, and people are not a resource.
1: So you said so. that a lot easier than what I did, which was awesome.
0: <laughs> the uh, you know, and leadership to me is the art, and management is the science. Right, so. I love it when you say your leadership is about people and management is about process, mm. and that's probably the simplest way to look at it is, you know, mm. you the people and you manage the process. So yep. all the systems and the resources and, uh, and tools and everything like that, the logistics of it all yeah. is management. Mm. The leadership is, the, is in terms of the people having them become the best version of themselves so they can do their life's best yep. work within that process and systematic framework that you've created, that you manage yeah. the framework. Um, yeah. I think that's really cool. To, to look at that and another, something else that you said uh and i remember and i thank you so much for for your compliment but to me i always think that success doesn't happen when you find the right answers it's when you find the right questions to ask
1: 100 mm,
0: percent. and that's like when you start and when you're working with people as you do and i know you you do this extremely well yourself it's a, it's making sure it's it's when you discover the right questions mm. that's where the magic is it's not when you discover the answer that's the goal yep.
1: Yeah, 100 uh, and, and, and as leaders as I think as leaders, that's what we need to do is, is understand the right questions and when the right questions are needed as opposed yeah. to just talking at people. Uh, I don't, it's very rare that I talk at people unless I'm dismissing someone, um, but I ask more questions than give answers. and A lot of people think, well, you own the business, you should have a lot of answers. I'll keep the answers locked up here, um, but I ensure that you know if I ask the questions and I get a, an answer that's eighty percent, then that's better than having no answer from your your employees. I think anyway. So. Yeah, no mate, uh,
0: absolutely. And so this is really really cool uh, because once again, I was looking when you were talking about the org structure and flat and everything like that. So. Um, you know, as in my book, I talk about the circle of organizational leadership, and it's a so it's a cellular organizational model where everybody has a direct line of sight to the purpose of the organization through yeah. the values, and everybody answers to something first, not someone. 100%. Uh, and so, you know, and what what do people want today? They want bosses or they want coaches? Mm. You know, especially into yeah. we this. Well, the future of work and future leadership. If you're not already aware of it, guys, it's already here. <laughs> it's now the present of work and the present of leadership. Yeah. Um, but people want coaches, not bosses. And coaches, to your point, Santo, ask great questions. They mm. they extract information. And you, um, and this is why you're such a great leader, because you you already recognize you don't have to have all the answers. You have all your answers. Mm. People, why so, don't you know? It says, I know what I know. But what I don't know is what you know. Mm. And so, yeah.
2: you know,
0: so if I want to extract all that latent talent and ability and innovation and creativity out of the organization for all of us, so that the best idea wins, not the boss's idea. The hmm. boss's idea isn't always the best idea. Yeah, the best idea wins, well then I need to ask more questions than I do.
1: And that's the thing, that the, as managers, yeah, exactly. The problem is, as managers, all our answers are bias. All of them yeah. are biased because <laughs> it's only us. We Think about them at the water fountain, we think about them in the toilet, we think yeah. about them on the driving to work, on the yeah. bus, on the train. But that's just us thinking about them, there's no input by anyone else. So, when we just dictate our, our answers, it's like, hang on, that's your answer. And you know, I like to employ people that are smarter than me, and, and that's you know, it's pretty easy because yeah, I do you
0: know, the same thing
1: standing. as too. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, um, so I'd prefer their answers, and nine times out of ten, uh, when we collaborate it's um it's just you know the the solutions are number one they're a lot more flexible mm. uh, number two people adapt to them a lot quicker because the boss didn't think about it our peer thought about it and our boss has taken it on board so there's mm. those little things that are, you know it's it's funny because a lot of people a lot of managers think it's fluff they don't understand the science behind it and that's sort of what I'm here to do it's it's not fluff it's it's mm. about How fluff cascades, well, not fluff, but purpose cascades to actions. Yeah, and it's you know if you don't have a purpose, you're just acting because you get paid from nine to five, or you know you want to make money, you want to extract money from someone. Um, So yeah, it's it's interesting, and and I'm glad there's people like you out there that sort of you know have the connect between uh, a purpose and the action. Uh, I think there's a lot of managers out there that don't even have. you know they just have actions we need to make this money we need we've got these kpis blah 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 this and that so um you know i actually don't reward our team on on meeting targets i reward our team on the effort they've made and nine times out of ten if they've made a really good effort then they've achieved the target um if 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 they haven't if they've made the effort and haven't achieved the target then we need to review whether that's the right person for the job uh and and yeah, it's the response is yeah. our recruitment it makes our recruitment process a lot easier. Um and it it, it defines we have a purpose in, in both of our businesses and you know, if they our staff live by that purpose, then our reward on the effort. Yeah. And like I said, nine times out of ten, they meet those KPIs without even without us even telling what the KPIs are.
0: You know, and it's really cool. And I love, I love the way you talk with purpose and all that, and purpose cascading into actions. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's really, you know, it's obviously a passion of mine in terms of the whole concept of purpose. But the, you know, you as the leader, you're there to serve your team. Your team is there to serve the purpose, and your purpose should be designed to serve your customers. 100%. Right? So your job is just to help your team become the best so that they can help deliver the best to the customers because your customers deserve the best. Yeah. 100%. And so that's purpose in action. So if you're just continually helping them to achieve more and put in the effort and in an alignment to something of meaning to them, then guess what? You're going to start to see those results happen anyway. Yeah. You know, that's the outcome, not the, you know, you know and it's not the end game. It's just yeah. certainly the more we put in. Um, I'm working with a, um, a state basketball team over here in WA and one of their um their their definite one of their values is passion, for example, and that means driven to achieve, yep. not to win. Driven yeah. to achieve, to achieve. Yep. because if they keep driving to achieve their personal best and you know do the thing you know, and I think the, the 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 wins will take care of themselves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's no different in business, which I think is really fascinating. mate. Yeah. Um, so th- before we get into some of the core questions, I just want to ask you quickly. Uh, Mate, there's a lot of stuff you're doing here from a philanthropic, if I'll, for a better way to say it, um, or passion stuff on the side. Obviously, there's the racing with cars, but you know, there's the tied to mind health. There's the um, life fact tracker. There's the stuff you're doing with the kids. Like, where does all this come from? Uh, if you want to speak to about any bit than share any of it, that's great. Um, but also, I'd love to understand like where does that come from? Um, you're doing so much in there to help these people with these sort of these. It's just amazing what you're doing,
1: mate. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Um... So with uh, Little Heroes, um, it started when I, when my first son was born, actually. My whole perspective on life actually changed because I was... That's funny, eh? You, sorry? Isn't it funny when you
0: become a dad, how your
1: perspective <laughs> on life changes? Well, that's the thing. I was, um, you know, from the age of you know, 15, 16, I was generating income, and, and, and that was one of my sole purposes. I want to generate income because yeah. I want to live uh, the way I want to live. Um, and then when you, you, you have kids, it's like, hang on, we're not generating income for us anymore. We're generating income for our legacy, which is our children. Uh, and then the whole generating income thing didn't turn into generating, uh, uh, so it changed from generating income to, you know, giving and doing the right thing. Now, and that's where, you know, I wanted to support um, uh, a charity that supported seriously ill kids, and that's where uh, Little Heroes come into it. Now, as far as the uh, racing goes, I'm a, an ambassador for a mental health campaign called Life Backtracker.
2: Yeah. And that
1: was founded by um, uh, Anthony Ha. And you can listen to him on our, our podcast, The Adam and Santa Show, which we released uh, about a week ago. Yep. Um, and it was more around uh, ma- males' mental health and, you know, the, the fact that uh, majority of males don't just. Their mental health issues because they have to be the breadwinner, uh, they have to be the dominant species, they have to be the alpha, and you know, we can't talk to everyone about our feelings. So, um, I just wanted to raise awareness for mental health and you know, illustrate the fact that we can talk about it without the stigma um, being applied as it was, you know, maybe 20 30 years ago. So, yeah, I race um, uh, to raise awareness for mental health. And what that does is, uh, it's a male-dominated industry, and as a result of people seeing my, you know, my car with all the insignias and stuff, they, uh, you know, they ask me about, you know, what are you racing for? What's this mind health stuff? And that starts a conversation, Mm. which is the first um, step of the Life Backtracker: four steps to simple, uh, four simple steps to mind health. So the first step is conversation, and that's where it leads into further you know, further conversation about um, talking to people about mental health. You know, I'm six foot three, uh, a lean 110 kilos. So when, you know, the males of the racing industry see someone like myself advocating mental health, they start to think, oh, hang on a minute, if he can do it and he's huge and, you know, portraying an alpha, which I'm not quite soft, um, <laughs> then, you know, we should be able to speak to people without anyone frowning upon us. If he can do it, mm. he doesn't give a shit what people think about him. Um, then I think you know we should do it. So it's it's started it started a lot of conversations. We've got Anthony Hart doing a, a, a speech um, in front of the the club, which is pretty cool. Um, I've organised him to do speeches in front of in, a part of uh, in front of other clubs that I'm part of as well. And it's just you know it makes people think shit. We need to really get out there and talk about the issues that we're having mentally.
2: Yeah,
1: because uh, they're not physical issues. People can't see them. And as business owners. Um, you know some of us can't sleep at night we don't know when we're going to get the next lead from we don't know when we're going to pay our bills how we're going to pay our bills what's COVID? how do we deal with it and you know that in conjunction with mental co helps me to give people more options than they think they've got um, it's just creating the awareness and, and allowing people to know you know you're not alone you're not alone mentally and you're not alone you know operationally as well um, so that's that's my biggest passion at the moment um, that i'm currently working on.
0: Yeah, I mean, so is there a um, uh, metaphor for life for those men on the racetrack in terms of you know this competing to win and you know uh, and like the pressures that that puts on us? I, I just it's kind of neat that you're doing this mind helping in a mm. an arena where everyone's competing to win.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting actually because um, everyone that I race with in my club. Um, don't, they clock out. As soon as they get on the racetrack in the morning, they clock out. They don't think about work. Yeah. They don't think about all the pressures. They don't think about how they're going to deal with stuff. Mm. It's their, you know, two days of where they just don't stress. They've got no pressure, apart from when they break down. Um, and they just clock out. They just, you know, it, they're all in a good place. Um, yeah. So as far as metaphor goes, no. But I think I'm going to think
0: about one. Well, I was just tell you, to me, I find it fascinating. Like the, mm. It's almost like... I do not say it's contradictory, but it's you know well. I the escape—it's definitely escapism, and I love that. You know, I used to let's say, race go-karts and um, you know rode motorcycles for most of my life um, in my younger years and everything like that. And you know, for me, that was purely the escape and get away from and the, um, But and even in the racing was just yeah with that whole escapism. But then it's a whole other type of competition, I and mean, it's mm-hmm. uh, it was it, to me it's fascinating. It's, yeah. Um, and, and so I'll just be something I'd just love to see because I think there's so many lessons uh, that could be shared and learned. Um, yeah. but one of the cool things I want to talk about there in that space is you talk about, you know, like these things, um, and I, I was on another podcast talking about this, is that, you know, we, we, those things that keep us up at night as business owners, even just as men, um, let's just say, but like business owners, men and women, you know, the, the challenge for us is when those things that keep us up at night are usually when we're reflecting on our own problems about our own business or our own life. Um, And I went through tremendous um, stage that in my own life, when I was so worried about my own business, my own life. How am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to pay all this sort of stuff? And, Mm.
2: um,
0: but the biggest switch for me, and we've already talked a little bit about this, but the biggest switch for me is when I actually got crystal clear on the sense of purpose of not only my life, but also why my business exists. Because purpose gets me out of bed in the morning because I'm thinking about how do I help other people solve their problems? And the more time I spend thinking about how do I help other people solve their problems? Guess what happens to my problems? They start to Mm. disappear. Yeah, um, and, and I think this is the power of purpose that from uh, business owners, leaders, entrepreneurs that, you know, when you're worrying about yourself, then you're worrying about things and that's what keeps you up at night but when you mm-hmm. worry about how do I help and be of service and find ways yeah. to help other people mm-hmm. that gets you and then the more you focus on that, actually the less your problems become
1: Yeah, yeah. well, we, our purpose cascades down on how we transact, right yeah. um, It's just fascinating you know, so the slogan for Mental Case is to help uh, small business think big. Um, so every transaction I make, whether it's a, a physical or mental, it's okay. Is this going to help that small business think big? Um, if so I tell you, that's know. not a
0: slogan, mate. That is, you know, that's your purpose. But correct, please, please don't demean your purpose by calling it a slogan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that is my. It's like a marketing sticker, you know, or like a, just like this. Hey, you know, little catchphrase. It's yeah. this is why Thank your you. business exists to help small 100%. businesses think big.
1: 100%. So I've got a mind coach that works with me as well because I'm I, my mentoring is very operationally based. Yep. Uh, it's based on all the experience of, you know, sort of um, uh, incurred over the last, you know, whatever, 20, 25 years. Yep. And the mindset coach, when he saw the, he knew it was a purpose from as soon as he saw it and he yep. fell in love with it because that's exactly what he wants to do. He just wants to help small businesses think big mentally. Yep. Yeah. And he does it really well. So, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because as soon as he saw it, he knew what it meant. Uh, he knew what his purpose is. So that's mm-hmm. his purpose. He yes. saw it and he goes, that's, small, that's what I want to do. All these small businesses. Um, but having said that, he was a small business as well. And, you know, he's taken two companies to a million dollars within 12 months. And that's because he's just, he's just thought big. He's yeah. got three or four employees, um, you know, he doesn't need a resource company, he doesn't need, uh, he doesn't need a resource to, uh, sorry, human resource department, he doesn't need a finance department, he doesn't need a council department, but he can implement those processes that, you know, utilise the same systems that these big businesses use. And, and yeah.
0: that's what we love about what we do. Yeah, and I think that's really cool because that, 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 um, a lot of this, you know, like from outsourcing or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a massive fan about, you know, Focus on what you do best and outsource the rest. Yeah. You shouldn't have an HR division or an accounting division, whatever, unless you're an HR company or an accounting yeah. company. Or a, 100%. And this is, and this will lead us right. Nice segue into some of the, the, the questions we us because to me that's what organizations do when they're growing. They yeah. just add more, add more, add more, and add more, and all these things, and they plug all these extra pieces on to what they do best whereas today in the world moving forward organizations need to be more fluid and able to expand and contract and like be like water if you like from a Bruce Lee point of view and take any shape and form based on the way the uncertainty of the market's going and so if you're but you're building all this rigidity into your organization or this capital expense and all the structure and infrastructure you're making it very difficult for your organization to do that. And also, it's not what you do best. So why, why and with all the advancements of systems and processes and platforms and technology and talent and ability accessible to us everywhere, Santo, mm. why, why why, do we want to add that? So I, what I want to throw that to you is to say a lot of things I challenge people are obviously so... The work that that I do is to help people evolve themselves to evolve their business to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of the people they choose to serve and one thing I challenge is this growth versus evolution mindset Mm. so how do you see the difference between growing and evolving
1: so I believe growing is um, basically uh, sort of adapting it's more reactive something Mm. is thrown at you so you adapt to it something's thrown at you so you adapt to it Whereas evolving is, uh, I think, proactive. Uh, something's coming, mm. I'm gonna get ready for it. Something's coming, I'm gonna get ready for it. Uh, and it's more long-term. Um, you know, you're evolving whether you're uh, increasing your core competency. So if you incorporate a, a HR department, then that's one of your core competencies. As opposed to growing, oh, we get so much admin work that's human source related, let's get a HR department. And, it's, and that's where people fall into trouble as opposed to let's outsource a HR department, yeah. let's employ a HR department, let's um, you know detract from our core competency, which is A, and then they have an issue um, evolving because they're too busy trying to grow the business to make money to pay for this department that they could have outsourced. Yeah. So, so for me, growing is reactive, which isn't a bad thing. No. Um, and evolving... Is proactive. You're doing something before it's needed. Um, You know, it's like investing into a hotspot. That's that's growing your portfolio. portfolio. portfolio, I'll get there in a minute.
2: Um, (laughs) Portfolio.
1: Yeah. Yeah. um, But it's not necessarily the right thing because by the time it's a hotspot, it's already at its peak. Whereas evolving is, you know, maybe buying a property on the outside of uh, these hotspots because they're not a hotspot. So it's more of a, yeah, a, a proactive way of running a business. And growing's not a b- wrong, growing's yep. not bad. Um, it's just, uh, it, things have changed in, in today's economy where you're better to evolve and, and just make sure that you can sort of adapt things quicker as opposed to you know, growing and having things done a lot
0: slower. Yeah, and then, so That's one of the things I challenge organizations on is to make evolution the natural state of your business, so you yep. are proactively challenging your strategy every 90 days like strategic reset every 90 days like is this still the best way forward is this there what's happening so we're proactively thinking about everything as it's happening versus reacting so i love the fact that you identified as proactive versus reactive i was yeah. speaking with Duncan Wardle. Uh, he was the former vp or, or head of um, creativity and innovation for disney um on, on the podcast and i asked him the same question and his answer was very similar but it, uh, he used a great a metaphor or analogy he said um, Evolution is like upgrading your operating system. Yeah. As growth is like adding new apps. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah and that was a really cool way to look at it, um, it was, uh, but that's what Duncan does. He's very creative in that sense. But uh, so, once again, so thank you for sharing that because to me, I think it's, it's okay to grow. I and mean, a lot of businesses, especially here in WA, if not all of Australia, had a very strong growth mindset because things, the economy was booming and you know, great growth mindset. Yep. when they added all this stuff on and everything, and the bits and pieces, all these apps that they added to their business, yep. all of a sudden, when the economy shifted or the market shifted, yep. they grew into irrelevance or obscurity or will fade away in the sunset because they couldn't adapt or shift with the market. And, yep. and Darwin's work, um, you know, says it's not the fastest, the smartest, the strongest, or the most intelligent of the species that survive, it's the species that's most able to adapt to its ever-changing environment. Yep. 100%. And same thing applies for business and us as individuals. And human beings are the most uh, adaptable creatures on the planet. Yep. Yeah, and if we could take that same thought process and put it into our business, you know, you, you, you stand a lot you know, a stronger chance of hanging around a lot longer than those that just continue to grow and bolt on and become too big.
1: Would be unstoppable, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about evolution in terms of, you know, what, what do you reflect back on your most significant personal evolution? It could be as a leader or just in any part of your life. Right? What, what was the most uh, personal evolution of Santo?
1: Would have been um, going from a employee to an employer, or employee to a full time uh, business owner, and that's when I understood my purpose. It made that jump a lot clearer, um, and that was, you know, that was part of that catalyst during our discussion. Was hang on, as an employee I can serve less, as an employer I believe I could serve more. Um, and that's where it made it made it very clear that serving more uh, provided me with more satisfaction, um, and it helped me understand my definition of success, which was uh, you know very uh, clouded as an employee. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So how do you define what is your definition of success
1: then? Uh, my definition of success is uh, the materialistic version is working four days a week, having uh, as much time with my family as possible, mm-hmm. um, and is help, m- helping as many people during my downtime as I can. So that's-, that's The realistic version is? Um, helping as many people as I can and just family time, which is not much different, but-
0: But if you're helping as many people as you can to have a much better life and find smarter ways to do things, and you're able to achieve that will that not take care of your materialistic version of success? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I don't really I have a. a and uh, I love the fact that you separate those two because most of society would de- define success as you know material things, right? And and I always used to see yeah. that guy who just flew past in the Porsche. Well, the car chasing it was the repo man.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. you and I know as well as you know a lot of other business owners out there that you can have the car, you can have the house, you can have this, and you can still you know you still not be successful. I've got a, a client at the moment, um, and he defines success as having, you know, 10 houses by the time he's 60 and stuff like that. Um, and the problem with that is he preempts his client's success, uh, vision of success before he even learns about it, before he builds a rapport. And to me, that's extremely dangerous, because you know my version of success doesn't involve having any property. Mm. at all um it, so if you're trying to sell me property to you know meet my version of success then you're taking me on a different
0: journey than where i want to go 100% mate yeah I like you i'm i'm not in, i'm not a big real estate i really, i appreciate real estate is huge and you know there's all the people to tell you about but that's yep. not in my vision of my life in terms of mm. success or like how much real estate i own
1: yeah 100 percent. because you yeah. can still be miserable like you know you can have you ten houses and hit seventy, yeah. And then you look back and hang on. If I wasn't chasing that, if I weren't chasing these houses when I was forty, mm. I could have been a lot happier because I could have been doing something that I wanted to do, not yeah. work for a full, not work full time for an employer that pays a wage for a job I don't like. But yeah, I've got a house. Mm. So they're the types of things that you know I sort of established with my my um, clients is what's your vision of success? Oh, I want the I want the office. I want this, I want that. I said, really? That's what you want? And then you're successful, so you'll be happy that your wife's not happy and you don't, your kids don't see their father, you're not yeah. serving your clients, but as long yeah. as you've got
0: a house and all that what stuff. are you willing to give up to get that? Because that will help 100%. you to define whether you, you know, like, you know, are you how many hours do you have put in? Okay, then what are you willing, so you're willing to sacrifice time with your family and do all that yeah. to achieve that. Yeah. And you know, if that's your choice, that's your choice, just yeah. let's get some clarity around what this picture of success looks like, yeah. then, you know, because I think Gary Vee said it in one of his things that, you know, would you rather be crying in your Ferrari or smiling in your Camry?
1: hundred and, percent. No. And my wife's, my wife's uh, version of success is working three days a week. So she still wants to work. Yeah. Her vision of success does not include retiring and doing nothing. Hmm. It's working three days a week. Um, she's got a, you know, she's got her kids in a, uh, a nice environment. Yeah. And she can go out to dinner if she wants, once yeah. a week. And, and to me that you can't get more clear than that
0: yeah absolutely um, and this is yeah. really good when, when people look at things they uh, and uh, it's really fascinating to me the, the human mind wants to put form to everything right mm. what does it look like in terms of that? but whereas I, I, I challenge people in, in terms of their definition of success or the their life their business whatever it is what's the function what's the functionality that you're looking for in your life yeah like, function first form second. So let's make sure that you're achieving all the functionality if it's like i want to spend time with kids i still want to be working i still want to do this okay great those are all the functions then we can see let the form reveal itself as long as you're pursuing those functionalities in your life Um, and it's far more important than you know the this material sort of perspective And i think there's a a shift happening in the world today especially with the shift in generations and stuff like that i mean younger generations still want all these nice things but um, you know, they want to have more meaningful work. They want to do stuff yeah. that matters. They want, yeah. um, and we can learn a lot from from that in terms of what success and happiness and yeah. and all that looks like. So uh, it's pretty fascinating to me. But let's talk about your most significant business evolution. And so thank you for sharing about your your personal thing there. And I love that, you know, to be able to serve more. It was such a cool way you looked at that. And yeah. that was a huge, like that's an evolution itself. How do I serve more? Yep. Um, well, I need to become more. And in order to do that, then the functionality I needed to do was move from here to here, which was cool. So talk about business then. What was the most significant business evolution that you've been through or experienced or heard of? Um,
1: so when I joined my wife's business as a mortgage broker, um, I went from supply chain management for 20 years plus to a finance broker, which, um, you know, I had to do what I needed to do to sort of, help my wife with her business, so I did that. Um, but what we were doing, we were building a database of small business owners um, and I established quite quickly that, you know, once we have a, a, a nice healthy database uh, with a group of people that need our help, I would start mentor cope and I'd be that person that can help them. Um, so we went from I went from being a mortgage broker to being a mentor, which was a massive, as far as I was concerned, a massive business shift for me. Mm. Uh, and then I um, founded a digital marketing agency as well, which was a complementary business to the finance business. Uh, and you might ask, how <laughs> is digital marketing a complement to finance broking business? Well. When it comes to uh, marketing our business, when finance business wants to scale, we've already got an in-house marketing team that's uh, generating its own income, but we'll be able to assist our existing businesses as well uh, you know, during its um, operation. So,
0: yeah, there's, there's a couple of... Well, that's a separate entity, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So you're so st- still focused on what you do best in terms of your mentor co now is what you do. Yep. You've, you've built this ecosystem. Yeah. You're building an ecosystem of support mm-hmm. yep. for those people that you choose to serve. Correct. Yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, that's like that's huge, man. I, I, for me, I think like once again the is focus we be you best, creating the ecosystem around you. Because when yeah. we if you bolted that on um and had that as part of mentor co and mentor mm-hmm. co you know digital marketing mentor you know yeah. then, that's what I call an ecosystem. It's like I need yeah. to own it, control it, and it needs to be yeah. part of my thing. Right. Whereas, you know, you just the shareholding and all that's a whole separate, but yeah. building an ecosystem of support for the people you choose to serve. Hey, if you need it, we have this. If not, we need, if we need to, but. Yeah, 100%, and, and
1: it's worked really well. I, so, you know, the finance business is managed by one person, uh, the digital market agency manage, managed by another, and then I manage mental code. So I focus, you know, 95% of my time on my core competency, which yeah. is helping small business think big. Uh, I have a a small input into the other two businesses. Uh, I mainly manage the operations, which is fine because um, it's a live, to me, it's a live case study for more clients. Okay, I own a digital marketing agency. What can I do here? Okay, well, in my business, this is what I did. And as a result, this occurred. Um, So it helps me manage clients that have services rather than products. um, And it also helps me run a live case study. So, you know, I love experience sharing. Um, that that's that. I think that's immense um, uh, support for those that sort of need it. Um, okay, what did you do to get by? Uh, and that's why I, I chose that. I'm, I'm I'm chose being a mentor as opposed to a coach because I only speak on stuff that I've experienced. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I if I don't know nothing about it, I don't give my opinion. Yeah. Um, I will refer out to a specialist and someone that knows about that
0: type of stuff. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and so, interesting point there. So, it jumps into my head. And how do you? Can you help us clearly define what you, your opinion from a coach and a mentor is? Then, because you sort of touched on it a little bit there. What is a coach and what is a mentor? Because sometimes these two things get confused. Or quite a yeah, lot of get confused
1: a lot of the time. So, in my opinion, yeah. uh, I believe a mentor to be someone that can sort of help and grow either a business or an individual based on the experience that they have um, experienced. So based on experience share, yeah. I can help this person or business develop.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, the, the mindset coach that I have is a lot of his coaching is based on uh, theories,
2: mm.
1: which isn't a bad thing because they're, they're educated theories. Uh, theories and concept concepts. Mm. So he has experienced them, but he has, um, you know, educated himself to um, achieve results based on concepts and theories. Right. So, and that's the difference. I felt more comfortable, sort of, you know, helping Dave Clare uh, with his business operationally because I have ran businesses op- at an operational level. So I'm happy to help Dave.
0: Awesome. Uh, if you need it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm. I'm very. Um, you know, I was institutionalised, and as a result, my training is very black and white. But I can adapt to it. So I have a lot of pro I've developed processes, systems, and all that type of stuff. Um, you know, I've made workforces flexible. Um, you know, I've pivoted workforces. I've had, um, you know, I've managed up to people uh, managed people up to four hundred and thirty big. Um, so you know, I've, I've dealt with the counselling sessions with different personalities. Um, you know, uh, performance management, um, how to sort of, you know, adapt people to different situations. So I've done all that type of stuff that, I've you know, I believe to be successful at. Um, and I like to just impart what I've learned. Um, so that's why I'm, I class myself as a mentor. Yeah. If you uh-huh. ask me anything about legal or finance, I can maybe advise low level. Yeah. But anything above my pay grade, I won't even speak about it. It's just not my... It's, yeah. it's not more core competency, so I choose not to. Yeah,
2: yeah, lovely. Want a
1: spreadsheet? Yeah. yeah, if you want a spreadsheet about flexibility and all that type of stuff, uh, workforce flexibility, cash flow forecasts, business plans, I'm the person.
0: Sweet. I well, I think, so if you're listening and you need that, and we'll give you Santos context at the end of this. But oh, uh, one simple analogy or, that I use or that for a difference in coaching and mentoring is if you go back to Tiger Woods when he was in his peak in the early 2000s, and that when he was like, just crushing it. Butch yeah. Harmon was his coach. Yeah, Jack Nicholas was his mentor. Yeah. yeah so Jack exactly. had been where he's been and, and, and Jack had achieved the things that Tiger wanted to achieve. And yeah. Butch, like Butch Harmon as a coach, he wasn't the world's greatest golfer. He might think he won one PGA event in his early days in his career as a golfer. But yeah. he understood the golf swing, the game, everything like yeah. that from a coaching point of view. And he was one of the yeah. world's greatest, still probably is one of the world's greatest coaches yeah but jack nicholas was his mentor who'd been where he wanted to go yeah to be a mentor Sorry. is someone who's been where you'd like to go and a coach is someone who can help you you know close the gap and, and challenge you on some of the technical aspects of what it is that you're working
1: 100 like. percent yeah
0: yeah that, that was a good one I yeah so those of you who like golf or don't like golf, well that's the best one i can give you the uh, <laughs> so like so one uh, one last formal question that i have for you yeah. Is, you know, and this can you look at it yourself from MentorCo, but even the, the, the clients or your digital marketing, all the things that Santos evolved in, <laughs> you know, um, let's say like MentorCo is only, how, how, how long have you had MentorCo now?
1: Um, November,
0: since November. Yeah. So, it's not, not very new, but if you went back three years, most businesses that were what they were three years ago are not what they are today, and in the next three years, they won't be what they are, because business is a series of evolutions, right? Yeah. And so making that proactive, natural state of your business. What's the next evolution of mentor co in terms of, and you don't have to exact exactly what it is, but what are you seeing? What are you looking for? So I say, what are you seeing? What aren't you seeing in terms of the future work, future leadership, human and technology? What yeah. are the things that you're looking at in the next three years um, that you would advise people to be mindful of or to look for?
1: Yeah. So at the moment, the way I've got my uh, mentor co, it's only scalable to a certain level, which basically means I can only deliver um, or serve a certain amount of people before I've personally hit capacity. Right. So over the next twelve to twenty-four months, I am I'll be developing an online system, online training portal. Um, that way, I can serve more of the masses. But it's not going to be um, a uh, a templated um, training guide. It will be more case by case. So it's not a one size fits all training guide. It's more of a, what are the most common problems I'm dealing with. Um, and then they're the types of people that I will try and deliver to, Like whether it's interstate, overseas, it mm. can be virtual. So, in a nutshell, basically trying to work out how I can serve more people with the current um, uh, format yeah. I've got at the moment, or well, with the current business plan I've got at the moment
0: in terms of your resources and stuff of it. So digital transformation is certainly something big that you're working on for your own organization then, whether there's still online programs, things like that.
1: Yeah, so I, I just don't wanna, it, it's, it's, it's just a mindset thing for me. I don't wanna detach my uh, mentoring uh, physically. So it's, I, I just don't wanna record a video and give it to someone and hope they can do something with it. It's more so, okay, I'm gonna record this for Dave. Uh, specifically for Dave uh, send it to Dave and then request feedback okay Dave did that help yes or no no it didn't okay what can I do to help and then deliver something yeah um, I've, I've been on programs where they've got the whole 12 months already paid out um, and whether it's relevant to you or not they're going to drip feed it to you mm. uh, and then there's no follow-up okay what did you learn from that so I didn't learn anything because it's not relevant okay so what's relevant to what you want this is relevant. And then go away and
0: design something. Beautiful, mate. Relevant. Yeah, yeah relevant. Yeah. Absolutely love it. All right. Um, so the last question I have for you before we find yeah. out how to get hold of you is, uh, <laughs> is a random one. I asked all guests oh. a question. You've got to <laughs> pick from 1 to 31. You don't get to see what the questions are. You get yeah. to the number from 1 to 31, mate, but you must yep. answer the question.
1: Okay, so I'll, I'll choose number 11 because that's the, that's the number of my racing team. For,
0: okay, uh, so it's probably your car number, isn't it? That <laughs> number, 100%. Yeah. yeah, all right. Oh, no one's asked this question. No one's uh, picked this one yet. This will be very fascinating. Um, actually, no, someone else has a you I remember this. So this would be really cool to get your answer to this. Yeah. How would your parents, whether they're around or not, or you can ask your child, describe what you do? the other one from parents or children, <laughs> how
1: would they describe what it is that you do? Okay, so uh, my mum still thinks I work for a bank which I've <laughs> never worked for a bank, ever. <laughs> Unfortunately, the language barrier sort of prohibits me from sort of explaining it to her a lot more clearly. But so the me. nationality is? She's Italian. Italian,
2: okay. Yeah,
1: so Italian, um, doesn't speak English well, mm-hmm. uh, very broken English, in fact.
2: Yeah.
1: Um so when I try and tell her what I do, oh you work for a bank.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what she says.
1: Or I race cars.
0: Does she also think that you don't eat enough? Oh. oh. Without a doubt.
1: Without Six a doubt. She's
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. so skinny. Come on, we must eat.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh 100%. Yeah, she still thinks that I eat enough bread, pasta, or carbs.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what would your kids tell you? If the, you
1: ask him, what does Dad do? Um, Whatever Mom tells him. No, no, no. My, my, my son. If you would ask my son, he would say I would help. I help small businesses because that's actually what we talk about at home. Um, oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I just, and that's the thing. I need to, I need to create some boundaries because I talk about it at home. As soon as you know, for example, two weeks ago, I helped a client secure. A, a two million dollar project which he's never had um, and he's like you know six years in mm-hmm. uh, he's one of the biggest uh, he, he leads in his industry but yet um, you know I helped him secure that job and I didn't do everything I'd started the right questions um, reframed his mindset and all that type of stuff but according to him, I helped him get the job um so you know when I went home obviously didn't disclosed a lot of detail, but explained, you know, I was in a really good mood, helped someone succeed, blah, 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 all that type of stuff. So um that's what, yeah, that's what we sort of talk about because it makes us happy. My wife, even my wife, uh yeah. loves the fact that we help small businesses. That's just what she wants to do. That's what she's yeah, very
0: passionate you know, about. And, and I appreciate you saying you need to create some healthy boundaries and all that, but, mm-hmm. and I, I find this quite fascinating too because, uh, you know, with kids, is, they watched me growing up now we're empty nesters, mm-hmm. so, you know, we're enjoying that other phase of life now as yeah. <laughs> he's 21 and they're all out of home now. Um, but I, I wanted them to know that the problem that dad was passionate about solving in the world or mom, in this case, mom or dad, but for me, up, yeah. and so I was very proud of the work that it, and I know you are, not, mm. but it's, I wanted them to understand like this, this is what success is about and happiness mm. is about is doing great work in the world that, that fulfills you, and uh, and I had no problems, you know, as long as doesn't become all consuming. Mm. But I wanted them to know that, and and I had no problems talking about the people that I served and 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 the, and the types of stuff that I did with great enthusiasm, because um, I wanted them to know that this is what life's really about: is finding that thing eventually. Yep. Be of service to the world, and you know, there's no rush to find it. Geez, I'm yep. <laughs> 54 years old and <laughs> 22 be, years old. <laughs> Once you get over 50, you can go. <laughs> um, <laughs> That it, yeah, it, you know, I've always said like I'm a slow learner, but uh, I'm so blessed to do the work that I do today, um, and I and, and my kids know how much Dad loves the work that he does, and uh, and they, you know, I want them to have that same feeling and to find yeah. it when they find
1: it. I don't think you're a slow learner at all. I actually yeah. think it took a while to um, provide clarity on your purpose because the thing is that we want to do everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, we can't do everything. As a baker, you can't become a mechanic. You can't become a you know you, you can't do things that you know you think you can do but you, you know nothing about so personally I think your journey is just you know driving you to one point in your life it's just taking you a bit longer than others and there's nothing wrong with that I think anyway I think you know if you learnt what you did at an early age you probably wouldn't have the clarity that you have now so you know, oh, yeah.
0: no I appreciate it thank you Mm -hmm. Mate, so where can people get hold of Santo if they want to find out more about you and the work you're doing or any of the many, many things that you're involved in? (laughs) The best way Uh, to get hold of Santo.
1: Yeah, okay. You can email me at santo, S-A-N-T-O, at mentorco.com.au. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Santo Arabia. There's not too many of them, I don't think, on LinkedIn. still the
0: coolest name on the planet, mate.
1: (laughs) Thanks, mate. Um, You can visit mentorco.com.au, which is currently under construction, but I think our contact details are on there. So, yeah, there's Santo Arabia. If you
0: remember that, I think you'll... uh, You just Google Santo Arabia, and uh, (laughs) you might get the Knights of Arabia or Lawrence of Arabia, but there will be Santo in there somewhere. Somewhere, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Mate, thank you so much for joining us on the Evolution of Business show for Take absolute 2. It was really cool. Um, really appreciate it, man. Look forward to the day where we can cross the border and uh, catch up uh, and, and, you know, have a coffee together and do some great work together. So I think there's some wonderful opportunities for us to do some cool stuff.
1: Yeah, I can't you know, wait. And it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot for selecting me as a, as a guest on your show. I oh, so really appreciate yeah. it.
0: You, you are right there with everybody else that's in here. The Just one of the most amazing people I've had the privilege of being able to have conversations with. So thank you. Oh, beautiful.
1: No worries. Thanks a lot, Dave. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Thank you.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c sweetradio.com.